to the Save Girl Podcast. This is your host, Saj, with my co-host, Christy. Join us as we tackle the unspoken, the taboo, and the tough conversations for the modern Christian woman. Hello, Save Girl. What's going on? Welcome back for yet another episode of the Save Girl podcast. We are so glad you decided to listen in today. We have such a special treat today. The guest speaker today is no stranger to our community. I must say she is the original gem. She is the one who brings so much light with her wherever she goes. I can't just introduce her name without putting the in front of it because that is who she is, honey. She is the LaToya Matthews, wife, mother, coach, author, transformational speaker, mentor, retreat host, podcast guest. Listen, the friend, sister, the list goes on and she does each one with so much quality, with so much excellence. It is such a blessing to have her here on this special episode where we are really going to tackle one of the most hindering topics when it comes to women transforming their lives in Christ, when they've had abortion take place in their life. And it is something that the church shies away from, but y'all know here, we leave no sister behind. And if that means having a conversation about something that the church labels taboo, we're gonna have it. We are going to have it. So today's episode is specifically dealing with healing after abortion. And we're leading in with the question, does God love me? And I'm just gonna let that sink in because for the ladies who are listening who can relate to this topic, I know that question has crossed your mind at least one time. Does God love me? Can God love me? God forgive me. And after abortion, the shame that overtakes women can keep us susceptible to the manipulation and lies of the enemy. And it can lead us to feel worthless, unloved, and unforgiven. So we have Latoya here who is going to share her testimony with us and is, who is going to walk us through her process of transformation and how she helps other women do that today. Welcome, Latoya. Hi, Sash. Thank you so much for being <laughs> Oh my gosh, what a welcome. I love it. Thank you. I am just an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, when we had this topic put on our hearts, it was like, LaToya definitely needs to come. She needs to be here to talk about it. It is such a hot topic in the world right now. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a very current event, a very current issue. And it, I foresee it being current for the next three to five years as judicial system gets involved and we see laws being put in place. And it is something that we have to talk about because it's on our news and um, we can't just ignore it and pretend that it's not touching God's daughters, that it's not touching the congregations, the ministers, the, the leaders. And um, how are we gonna allow the world to talk about something that we're not talking about? So that's why this is so timely and important. But as we dive into this, Latoya, just please just tell us a little bit about you. Cause I know recently you've had a, amazing opportunity to be featured on Black Love. So just 
Give us a little bit about who you are and what's going on with your life. Yeah, I was just featured on Black Love, which was an amazing opportunity for me just to see God open the door to to just say, you know, anything is possible with that scripture that says anything is possible to those who believe, but anything is possible for God to do. There's nothing too hard for him. So I currently live in North Atlanta, I'm originally from Mississippi, good old country girl, grew up in the Mississippi Delta, and I'm just a country girl at heart. And so I am currently married, will be married in November, it will be 16 years, and I know I look like I'm 18, 21 years old. So, you know, <laughs> how did you know we were thinking that? Yeah. <laughs> when I tell people that, they're like, ma'am, how old are you again? And so needless to say, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I would get that look like, who's this man that you're with? Because, of course, my husband is six feet tall and I'm 4'11". So, of course, I look like his daughter. My <laughs> daughter look like sister. I have a 14-year-old daughter and just really just allowing God to just work and do what he does. Just trying to live this life of surrender every day. It brings about something new, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, but just in this state of just walking in what freedom looks like for me. So beautiful. I love that word freedom for you. And know if anyone doesn't know LaToya and her ministry, she calls herself very appropriately the free woman and she helps other women become free. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Two years ago during the pandemic, when the pandemic first started in 2020, really in 2019, it was just like, God was just like, it's time for you to tell your story. I'm just like, oh, I don't know about that. I'm not ready for for all that. But the voice just kept getting louder. In 2020, I started telling my story. And as I began to tell my story, women started to reach out and just was like, can you help me? My first initial thought was, I'm not a coach. I like, I don't know. I was just here to tell my story. Okay. But God brought forth a gift that I didn't know laid on the inside of me to help women and Initially, it was called Beauty for Ashes. But after working with the women, one of the words that just kept coming up was free, like the freedom, being free. So I renamed the program currently the Free Woman Program. It's where I walk women through eight weeks of just using biblical principles, using scripture to really bring about the change in their lives. Just knowing that one of my things that I'm on now is you don't have to be perfect to be free because so many times we think we have to be qualified. We have to be perfect. We have to have things together and in order for God to free us. But no, it's just just surrender and allow him to do the work. But just seeing the results and the fruit that has come from working with women. And eight is the number of new beginnings. So I just feel like after we work together, women get a, a new beginning at life, something that they didn't think was possible before. So just being able to walk with them and guide them along this path, along this journey and to just say, hey, it's not something quick. This is not easy. But if you put in the work, you will see the results. Exactly. See, the beauty of understanding that you don't have to be perfect to be free is such a liberating concept. Mm -hmm. I think the overwhelming weight of feeling like, oh, I have to be this, I have to be that. I've had to break free from certain things or 
fix certain things in order to experience that freedom when it's really the other way. Let's work on you becoming free. Then as you become free, you will have better vision to be able to address things in your life, address people, address experiences through a lens that isn't broken anymore. That is such a powerful concept. I know that as someone who's gone through your retreat, it is very liberating. Freedom is the word that I would use to describe any experience with working with you, um, free to think differently, free to feel differently, free to forgive yourself. Yeah. That is such a huge concept when it comes to abortion, that self-forgiveness. And I just know that as women hear your story today, they're going to even begin to walk in that freedom to say, wow, she's telling her story. Maybe I can tell mine too. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your testimony. How did it begin? And and how did you get all the way here? Before I get there, there was something that you just said, Saj, that was just so important when you said get up and walk, right? Like walk to your freedom. It just reminded me of that scripture in John, which is one of the scriptures that I use in my program with the man by the pool of Bethesda. He thought he needed someone to put him by the pool when the waters were stirred. But Jesus said, no, pick up your mat and walk. So many of us are waiting on the resources, waiting on things. But God is just saying, get up, use what you have. If the man by the pool of Bethesda would have just maybe rode his way to the pool, maybe even just use his forearms to drag himself to the pool. He could have got in instead of waiting for somebody. This is where we are. We have to stop waiting for people to give us the affirmation, give us the confirmation, but just get up and get to moving no matter how that looks for you. And but I just wanted to say that a little bit before I got into my testimony, because I just thought about that when you said to walk, just walk. No, ma'am, you can't just be past that like that. And I think we're not going to break that down just a little bit. The very visual of saying, If he would have just rolled, if he would have just used his forearms, that lets me know that it takes a certain mindset to get your freedom. It is not something that you think is just going to fall out of the sky. One day you're going to wake up and be like, oh, I feel better today. Like, no, you're going to get dirty. You're going to have to push yourself. You're going to have to push past the limits of where, what you have placed on yourself to realize, you know what? I don't have this, but I do have that. Yeah. I may not have my legs, but I got my arms. Yeah. And really using that grit mm-hmm. to dig down deep and say, you know what? I, this is worth me pushing myself. Yes. That's one of the things that I talk about in my program is there's two type of women. There's the free woman and there's the conditioned woman. The conditioned woman thinks that she needs help, but the free woman knows that her help comes from, I'm going to use whatever I have in my hands. The conditioned woman is going to say, you know what? My life needs to be perfect. I want people to think I'm perfect. But the free woman knows that it's her insecurities that make the impact in the world. People want to see the true, authentic. We've been just conditioned to think these things, but the free woman, she's going to release control. She's going to surrender and say, you know what? My life is not my own. I've been bought with the price lord whatever it is that you want to do have your way now i have a question because as soon as you said the conditioned woman i was like whoop i I have to ask a question i know there's a lot of women right now that are struggling with being conditioned because that's just what society does to you Mm -hmm. how do you start to begin to break free out of that to start seeing a little bit of freedom in christ 
one of the ways that we have to really be to break from that conditioned mindset, one of my favorite scriptures is Romans 12, 2. It says to renew, you begin to transform by the renewing of your mind. And it takes, it does take having belief. It does take the willingness to say, you know what? I have thought this for a long time, but maybe I've thought this, but this isn't working for me. Let me try something new. Because so many times we want the situations to change, but we don't want to change. The conditioned Mm -hmm. woman has to be willing to let things be better. The conditioned woman says, enough is enough. I'm tired of being sick and tired. Let me try something new. And it takes renewing your mind and really... I know it sounds cliche, but having that relationship with Christ, truly one of the things that I constantly had to pray on this journey to freedom was God, give me eyes to see myself as you see me. Because when you're in that mindset and when you're in that conditioned space, it's like everything, even your relationship with with God revolves around how you fellowship with other people. So if my mom and dad hurt me more than likely, I feel like God is going to hurt me too. So what's the point of having that connection with him Is he if he's only going to do what my parents? Wow, that's so deep. And it's beautiful having someone like you, you know, tap in and share. This goes far beyond, when I look at this conversation, it goes far beyond what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. If we all can just take a step back as uh, participants and the listeners, If we all can take a step back and see if LaToya did not do this process for herself, her purpose would have not been birthed with helping other women. So I think it also takes the the acknowledgement of there are people who are waiting for you to become unconditioned. Exactly. So if you don't do it for anyone else, do it for the other daughters of Christ who need you to say, you know what? I need to think another way. I need to look at this another way. And as much as it may hurt, as much as it may feel terrifying to let people in again Mm -hmm. after trauma, to love again after heartbreak, to forgive again after being abused, I have to uncondition myself to that mindset because there's a purpose in me. And the conditioned woman can't fulfill her purpose. No. One of the things that always keeps with me too, two things. I've had two friends tell me this, and I always keep this in the back of my mind. And I promise y'all, I'm going to get to my story. I promise you. Um, Let's get to (laughs) We are patient. We are patient. But I have two friends. The first friend said, and I just want to let somebody know, because what you just said, when we don't step into the call, when we don't face those things and really, truly become who God has called us to do. My one friend said, when you don't do that, then the people that you're meant to serve, the blood is on your hands. Mm. Mm Mm-mm. The blood is on wow. your hands because God said all things are working together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you never fulfill or walk in your purpose, guess what? There are other people who are not receiving what they need to receive because you haven't, you are worried about what people think and therefore the blood is going to be on your hands because you haven't stepped into it. And then the second thing was I had a friend that she said, when we get to the gates of heaven, I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. She said, you know what? I don't want to wait till I get to the heavens at night before I want to, before I go to bed, I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. At the end of the day, that's what I want to hear. 
I don't want to, you know, be that person who is afraid of the opinions of people. But I want to hear at the end of the day, well done, my good and faithful servant for standing up for those that couldn't speak, for sharing your testimony and bringing others to freedom, for showing my love in a world that doesn't show that love that we want. So those are the two things. The blood would be on your hands. And at the end of the day, I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful. Amen. And speaking about your testimony, I know personally of different women that struggle with this and David struggling in the dark, as I call it, because I, when I talk to them, they are so ashamed. They cut themselves off from God's love and from communion because they're so ashamed. Yeah. And like you said, they're so conditioned to shame and that they cut off themselves from God and also from their purpose so that they can function correctly. Yes. How can you encourage those women? How did God set you? At the, so my, at the age of 18 in 2003, of course, this was the conditioned mindset of me, but my story and that's where I was at the time, I didn't feel like I was ready to take care of a child. I didn't have my dad wasn't in my life. I didn't have a good relationship with my mom. I felt like that I didn't. And I was one of those people. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to raise a child on welfare. I'm still a child myself. At 18, you're still a child. A child to have a child. I just wasn't ready for that. And I was getting ready to start college. I had a basketball scholarship. I had a tennis scholarship. And I just felt like I had these things going for me. And at that time, a child didn't fit into the picture. And I, and come to think of it, me and my husband was having the conversation and I had never even heard of the word abortion. I didn't know anything about it because where we come from, when you got pregnant, you just have the children. I don't care if you have five or six, okay. you just have the kids. I had never even heard of the word abortion. I think it just came because she handed me a pamphlet and I was like, this is going to be the best decision. So I made the appointment. I had my walk of shame going into the abortion clinic and just seeing the protesters standing outside and just being there by myself, filling out the paperwork. I remember getting on the table, having the procedure done, and they put me in a recovery room for about 10 minutes. And after the recovery room, I went school shopping. Like, I don't even know what I was thinking or what the premise was behind it, but I went school shopping and I guess just to take my mind off of it or because it was already on the agenda, right? So I went school shopping, but that night I got to my cousin's house and I was sitting in the back bedroom and all of a sudden it was just felt, the world just came crashing down. And I was like, what did I just do? I prayed every night for about 10 years, there wasn't a night that didn't go by in those 10 years that I didn't pray and ask God for forgiveness. Every night I was like, God, forgive me for what I've done. It wasn't until I got to Georgia and the church that I have, and my pastor told us to read this book called The True Measure of a Woman. And I got to reading the book. And mind you, I at the time of my abortion, I still didn't really have a relationship with God because it wasn't a requirement for us to go to church when I was a teen or in the state with my mom. It wasn't a requirement for us to go to church. We like church top every Sunday because we lived in such a small town. They didn't have church every Sunday. So it was just like, you can go whenever you want to, you know. <laughs> but we got to read this book, The True Measure of a Woman, and she asked two questions that were there. I just want to let somebody know, too, because... The, in those 10 years, I had suicidal. I was just ready to just 
go, Lord, take me because I don't want this pain that I'm feeling. At the end of chapter two in The True Measure of a Woman by Lisa Bavir, she asked two questions. What is it that you have in your closet that you need to clean out? What is it of value that you have to give to others? And I was already dealing with some things. I had lost my grandmother in 2006. And it was just like a bunch of things added on top of each other. And I knew that I needed to clean out my abortion. I needed to clean that out of my closet, along with forgiving myself because I said I was going to call my grandmother the night I called her and I said I was going to call her back and then the next day she was dead. And so it was like I beat up for that on top of all the other things that I had going on in my life. And I knew that I needed to clean those things out. And when she said, what is it that you have a value to give to someone else? I just remember sitting on my queen bed in my master bedroom. And I just remember like the room just got small and I just burst into tears because I said, I don't have anything to give anybody. Like I have no value. Then my question went to God, God, why would you create me with no purpose? Like why am I here? That's how the enemy had me thinking that I wasn't worthy thinking that I had no value and there wasn't a purpose or place for me in the earth. Then I remember going back because we had to discuss the book and I was talking to my pastor and I really didn't even want to tell it then. I was still reserved and it was like, this is church. Like people don't talk about this stuff. I'm not willing to share, but I'm glad that I shared because when I told her the very first thing that she said, sweetie, God forgave you the very first time that you prayed. It was like, the very words in the space that I needed because no one had knew that for those 10 years after having my abortion, I had this pain in my stomach and it was like a reminder of what I had done. When she said, God forgave you the very first time that you prayed, in that moment, that pain went away and I never had pain in my stomach anymore. Wow, Wow. glory to God. And it was just like the gift that God knew that I needed. He knew that I needed to release because there were years that I walked around, even in church, it was just like, maybe the thing that I say would hit somebody to say, how are you? Just so I can release the things that I was holding on to, just to say, I see you. In that moment when she said, God forgave you the very first time that you prayed, was like the very first moment that somebody saw me. It was like the gift that I needed on Christmas day. I opened up that gift and it was just like forgiveness, the gift of forgiveness. And now it's just, if God said he forgave me, then why am I holding it over my head? If he said I've thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness, then I don't need to hold on to it either if he's not. And because for so long, it was just like, God, why are you punishing me? Wow. That word release it's so big when it comes to this moment of transformation that's happened because it was holding you captive. You were holding yourself hostage to the decision you made because it was like, this is a choice I made and now I have to live with this guilt and now I have to live with the shame. Exactly. This is the least I can do yeah. to remedy myself from this situation. Did you notice, I have, my question is, did you notice a shift between your relationships before the release and then after release, even with your... I did experience a shift 
And one of the things the Lord told me was it was never about the abortion. The abortion just brought up things that were already on the inside of me. It just brought them to surface. And yeah, I did do something wrong. But in that moment, it was just like everything that was on the inside came up because I know that even being married, having my daughter, when I had my daughter, at two weeks old, my husband was out of town visiting my bonus son in Mississippi because he lives with his mom. And my mom was here and no one ever talked to me about hormones, postpartum depression, none of that. Mind you, I'm still dealing with things in my life. And so we had come home from the hospital. She's two weeks old and I'm holding her. And as I'm holding her, she started crying and just wouldn't stop crying. Then when my mom held her, she would stop. I immediately ran outside and called my husband and I was bawling the windows up. It's hot outside. If Atlanta, it gets hot in the summertime. My daughter's born in June, so it's hot. The windows are up on the car. The car is not on. And I call him and I say, she doesn't love me. He's, what are you talking about? Who are you talking about? I said, Rayanna, she doesn't love me. I'm like, every time I hold her, she cries. Every time my mom holds her, she doesn't cry. And he doesn't know what to do. First of all, he's a man. He doesn't know anything about hormones. But in that moment, my mindset, the enemy had made me to believe, along with the hormones, along with pregnancy, that my two-week-old daughter did not love me. What two-week-old knows anything about love? And so even as she got older, it was those things that showed up in my life, I knew I had to make a change because I would see like indecisiveness in her. Those things that were in me was reflecting onto her. I had to make a change to say, you know what? She's not going to be like me. Saj has met my daughter. She's just like the most confident. The girl has faith out. Like instead of faith as a mustard seed, the girl has faith of a mountain. Let me. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> when the thing comes to pass. And I'm just like, I am just so glad that I, changed and transformed and allowed God to transform me because I didn't want what was inside of me to be a reflection on her to for her to walk out those things as far as being married there would be times where I had my husband but it still felt like I was alone it still felt like even though I had what most people dream of a husband a child a home it just still felt lonely there would be times where I withheld myself from my husband because I didn't love my body. And it's like, how can you give something away that you don't even love? Wow. Wow. And so I really had to make a change because I just had my husband would say things to me and I would get quickly offended, put up a wall because I'm like, you're not my daddy. Stop trying to treat me that way. But that was the condition part of me because I didn't know. And I, the very thing that you pray for, you begin to push away when you're in that condition mindset because you don't know how to handle it. Wow. Say that again. Mm. Wow. There's this phrase that I have learned this year that reminds me of that. I was at a conference and this woman said, do not uproot in fear what you've planted in faith. Mm. And it's so easy for the enemy to try to come in and turn the blessings into burdens. Yes. Especially when we have 
those open wounds mm-hmm. where he can poke and he can prod yeah. and he can say, oh, does look at this and look at that. And doesn't that still hurt? And we start thinking, yeah, it does still hurt. Mm-hmm. I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't have the capacity for this. Um, especially like you said, how do I give myself, how do I even love when I don't love myself? When I don't love myself. How? Right. I really had to take a look at myself because there would be moments where I would look in the mirror and I would cry because I didn't like the person that I saw. It took me a long time to really look in the mirror, but I just really had to, instead of just going to church to say that I went, because God is a gentleman. He's only to go as far as you will allow him to go. I had to say, you know what? God is not going to force me to give up this thing. I'm going to have to force myself to give it up so that he can do what it is that he needs to do. So I had to really get to know God. It, it, It was a lot of praying. It was a lot of crying. It was a lot of crying beside my husband when he didn't even know I was crying in the shower. A lot of crying that took place. And last year I did start therapy. Even though I had started my journey to freedom, I was like, you know what? I still need help because still I'm helping women. And it gets heavy helping women. So I need help too. But I did see a shift. But now to hear my husband say, like, this is like a whole new woman. There's some days that he don't even recognize. And he's, I can see the change. Like, I can see you blossoming with, you know, as you continue to allow God to work on you. It's like one of those things that I had to give myself permission to release those things that I was holding on to. Because just like that cliche says, when you get tired of being sick and tired, you come to the last resort of, I can't do this no more, God. I need you to step in and do, take this away. I need you to come in and do something because I'm at the end. Yeah. Wow. So I wanted to ask, what are some practical steps that the girls can take? Because I know there's a lot of them who are at the ledge. Mm-hmm. And they want to jump off and the, de- the devil is tempting them to jump with suicidal thoughts and just messed up thinking. And I was wondering, what are some practical steps that you can give to them? <clears throat> the first step that I would give, which is the first step that got me started on the journey, was opening my mouth. It wasn't until I told my story to my pastor that was only then was I able to receive the gift that I needed. So finding that safe space, finding that place, I don't care if you have to, because sometimes family isn't the place. Family isn't your safe space for some of us. So finding the support group, finding like the Save Girl community, finding myself where you can open up your mouth because as long as you keep your mouth closed, The enemy will continue to torment. The enemy will continue to rob you of your peace, your joy, your happiness, and your freedom. Because every time I open my mouth to tell my story, I can feel another level of freedom come. I can feel the chains breaking off every time that I open my mouth. So that first step is finding the courage to open your mouth, no matter how embarrassed it may be, no matter how taboo you think it is, no matter who you think is going to judge you, open your mouth. That's the first step. Then the second step is, I would say the second thing to do 
is to really find you a good Bible-believing church that speaks truth. That would be the second thing. Because I know being in relationship with God and being at the church that I um, attend, they speak truth in love. That's the key, speaking truth in love. Even when it feels like an attack, because let me tell you, it will feel like an attack when you don't, when you're not healed in that area. But just finding that place where you can fellowship with other people. The third step would be get help. Because we've been conditioned, the conditioned woman thinks she, she can do this by herself. The conditioned woman thinks that she doesn't need help. People have hurt me, so I'm going to do this thing by myself. I'm going to do it on my own. No, ma'am. Because every time you take a step, the enemy is right there, ready and throwing 10 things at you with one at one time. But get the help because it's in the help where you get the healing. One of the things that I always tell my clients when they go through, you know, my program, everybody runs their own race. There's a reason why people who run marathons, people who run track and field, anybody that does anything has a coach because the coach is where your accountability comes in. Your coach will push you even when you feel like giving up and having that help, somebody there to cheer you on is what brings about the healing and the freedom when you know what yeah I've been through hell but I've overcome this one thing I know that I can overcome this one so get help those would be the top three things that I would say to really bring you off the ledge have the courage because I believe that everything that we go through is an invitation to grow intimate with God and to shed those things that were not a part of our identity in the, in the first place and truly get to know those things that are true Amen. That part, the things that are not a part of your identity in the first place. That is such a gem to take away because you are not what you've gone through. God has so much in you. And that is just a strong word of encouragement that your abortion is not who you are. Even if you've had multiple, because there are women who've had multiple abortions before they came into the knowledge, acknowledgement of Christ and the knowledge of living for Christ and what that looks like, that shame tends to follow them. But you are not that person. No. God, ha God has so much more for you. You mentioned your coaching. Can you please let the women know how they can work with you if you have any upcoming events or programs that they can plug into so that they can actually start this journey. Yeah. The one thing that I want to say before I tell them about the events that I have going on, there's the difference between two people because I have a lot of women that come to me and they're like, oh my God, you have so much joy. I found this other person on YouTube and she's doing a video about abortion, but you can tell that she's dealing you know, with it. They're like, how do you have so much joy? And there's this thing that I say that Everyone has the power to change, but not everyone has a desire to do. And that's the difference between two people, one like me who has the joy, but the other person who may be still struggling, have the desire to want to get better. As far as like the events that I have gone on, the coaching program, I'm on social media at D. Latoya Matthews, and I have my, the free woman retreat that is coming up September 23rd through the 25th. Let me tell you, I don't want to, I'm not being biased and I just don't even have words to describe it, but be biased, be biased. <laughs> but it's just truly a time where God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, all, the Godhead three in one comes in because we allow space. We allow God to just come in and it's just a weekend of just 
releasing, reconnecting, replenishing, and being restored. Just a weekend to really get reconnected with God because the world throws so many things at us and we're being consumed by the world. It's just a moment to be be consumed by God, a weekend to be consumed by God. So last year we had an agenda and we didn't get to not one thing on that agenda because God had a, a whole other agenda. Let me tell you. And it's just really a place where women can come and connect and find community. We still have women now who are who met at the retreat and they're still connected. The one thing that I love is just it happened and it's hard to believe that it was almost a year ago that the retreat took place. But the one thing that I'm always amazed by is that the women are still talking about it. Like I had to open it back up to the public because the women who came previously had already secured every seat. It was already sold out. But the Lord was like, no, I want you, I want more women to come and experience this. So I had to open it up. And so it's, it's always just like in a private location, somewhere off the grid where internet is impossible to connect to. (laughs) On purpose. On purpose. On purpose. And so this year we got a lake. We got just a place. The whole ground is just, it was God ordained. I just want I just want women to be able to experience and know God in the way that I have experienced him and still experiencing him. And so it's just like, I just want women to come because it's, even though it's my retreat, if I didn't, if I didn't put it on, I would go. And so, <laughs> but I'm the host, so I have to be there. So I just want women to come and to know that, you know what, you don't have to be free to come. That's the reason you're coming, to be free. You don't have to be qualified. You don't have to be perfect. This is truly the place where you can come and get what it is that you need. And by the time that you leave, I'm pretty sure there's going to be something that God is birthing your spirit that you're going to give birth to by the time you leave. Oh, yes. And I can attest to it. Okay. Listen, I would spend 10 minutes giving my testimony of how I birthed at the Free Woman Retreat. But if you are connected to this podcast, the relationship between Christy and I, the Save Girl Conference, everything that is happening and existing in this community happened through the birthing process that took place at the Free Woman Retreat last year. And now look, so, you've got to give physical birth. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, child, Lord, help me. Lord, and and you know, I have the program, but I'm going through some changes with the program right now. I have that on the back burner because I'm just getting some downloads from God to just make it even more powerful than what it is and to just allow his hand on it. But let me tell you something. If you can't, even though I may not do the program, sis, I got a payment pl- program. I got a payment plan. You can come to the retreat, make some payments. Yes, and God will make a way. And if you, like Latoya said... It starts with opening your mouth. You never know how God will bless you. Open your mouth, reach out, get connected because there are resources. There are women who want to sponsor freedom, including myself, who want to allow other women to experience freedom. So if you feel in your heart that you're supposed to be there and you need a little help or you're not sure if you can afford it, it doesn't, the process doesn't start with you thinking in your mind if you can go or not. It starts with you opening your mouth and seeing what God has for you, I just want to encourage you that he will make a way if you're supposed to be in the room. And the best part of this is that 
Latoya walks with the Lord and all of the things she does and her heart and her ministry and her coaching and her speaking and her books and all, all of the things that encompass who she is, she walks heavy with God. So Latoya, we would love if you could close us out today with prayer and allowing the women to feel the presence of the Lord as we go. I'm sure they already have, but just have a moment in prayer to really connect with him, to leave with that encouragement seal, that word on good ground that God may allow it to grow in their hearts. Yes. You may be a woman listening to this too and may not have had a physical abortion, but there's been things in your life that has tried to abort your destiny. Take those three things and still open your mouth because abortion just isn't physical. Sometimes abortion is spiritual. Amen. Amen. So, Father, we just thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the Save Girl community and just allowing me to come and tell your story, the story that you're still writing, God, the story that you're ready to write to those, Lord God, for those that are listening. Father God, may they, Lord God, tear down every wall that they build by faith and Lord God to build a bridge where they can cross over unto you. Lord God, I ask that you begin to shift the atmosphere right now of anyone who may be listening God to let them know you are there, that you've heard their hearts cry. Lord God, wrap your arms around them, envelop them in your love. Lord God, to know that there is nothing, nor height, nor death, nor hell that can keep their love, your love, Lord God, from pursuing them, to keep them separate from your love, God. I just thank you right now that you begin to shower them. Lord God, that they feel you like they've never felt you before. God, that you begin to break away every chain, Father God, that you will begin to peel back every layer, God. In Jesus' name, to let them know that they were created on purpose, with purpose, for purpose, that, Lord God, even before they were formed in their mother's womb, Father God, that this event didn't come by a surprise to you, Father God, that you're still willing and ready to use them for your glory, Father, that you can take something taboo and turn it into a testimony, Father, that you can take their mess and turn it into a message, God. So I just thank you right now that this is an invitation for your daughters to know of your your love, God. And I just thank you, oh God, for being the loving God that you are. Lord God, that the women that are under the sound of my voice, that they will hear you, God, that they will see you like they've never seen you before to know that you, that they were created in your image, that they're still image bearers of you, God, in Jesus name, even in a world that's told them that they're less than. Father God, that you value them, that you even call them your precious treasure, Lord God, your gems, God, in Jesus name, that they are God's extraordinary masterpieces, God, in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you're still wooing things together, Lord God, into this beautiful masterpiece for the world to see. And Father, I just thank you right now. And we got to the conditioned woman, God, that you begin to break the chains and limits off of her mind, that she has the mind of Christ, that you begin to, Lord God, shift, Lord God, her hormones, God, begin to shift anything that's imbalanced on the inside of her, Lord God, to be in alignment with you, God, in Jesus' name, Lord God, I thank you for Jesus right now. Oh, Jesus, we welcome you in the midst. Jesus, we ask that you would have your way, that you would, Lord God, touch the heart and 
and turn it to flesh right now in Jesus name Lord God I thank you that they will testify they will tell of your goodness God in Jesus name may the love of God be shed abroad in their hearts oh God in Jesus name oh God we give you the glory we give you the honor we give you the praise and it's in Jesus name Hallelujah that I pray. God, we speak to the enemy right now to release your daughters. Oh, hallelujah, Lord God. You said that when the enemy is found, he must repay sevenfold. Everything that these women have lost, Lord God, you will bring it back sevenfold, Lord God, because you are a God of recompense. Lord God, recompense them for everything that they have lost. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the self-discipline. Lord God, everything that has been stolen, may you bring it back right in this moment. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure you stay connected. Follow Christy at her underscore promised land and Saj at Save Girl Brand on Instagram. And remember, we got you. No woman left behind.